I think that a lot of people do know some Aboriginal people that just don't realise it. You look at my mum, she's English, you look at my dad, he's Aboriginal, and look at me, I'm a bit in between. <laughs> I haven't got the flat nose anymore, I sometimes wish I did. You know, just because I'm Aboriginal doesn't mean I have a flag tattooed to my forehead. Like, most of them call me Auntie Lynn, and I'm happy to be their auntie, even though that I'm not. Because I am Aboriginal because of my DNA, not because of my lingo. I am Aboriginal because of my DNA, not because of my lingo. Meet the Mob, a podcast from 1233 ABC Newcastle with Jill Emberson. Subscribe at abc.net.au slash Newcastle. It's a beautiful weekday afternoon sitting out in Civic Park in Newcastle with Wade Marnie. Life Without Barriers is where you work, Wade Barney, and you uh, do a lot of work focusing around supporting Aboriginal children in out-of-home care. Can you remind me why there's such a need for this kind of work? There's a, a huge need for this work because of the over-representation of Aboriginal kids in care and mainly because of statistics they're in care with non-Aboriginal carers uh, unfortunately. There's a, a large portion of kids who are cared for by kin but unfortunately there's still a significant number that are in care with non-Aboriginal carers. You know, it's a birthright to, to remain connected to community, to culture uh, and to their, to their histories. What's the most effective thing that you do in your job that makes you think, yeah, I'm making a difference? Life Without Barriers focuses significant um, resources on, on cultural support planning and, and do some really in-depth research, do some really in-depth recording of uh, family histories, of family trees, uh, and then bring together a, a large number of people to plan for you know, physical uh, and emotional activities that connect Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids in care to their community, to their family, uh, to the broader, their cultural heritage basically. Could you give me an example of what that tangibly means Absolutely. that you do for kids in care? So Life Without Barriers started cultural support planning some time ago, maybe five, seven years ago. So we now have around the country about eight Aboriginal staff who are solely employed to research the history of kids in care, their family. You mean individual kids in care? Absolutely. They do one by one. Um, they might be working on, uh, you know, one, two or three at a time, but they do online research. They record information. They then consult with family members uh, and they sit around and listen to yarns. They've got interview techniques which draws out family stories. They record those stories add them to, to family trees and make them available to these kids in care. How do they technically pull all of that material and give it to the children in care? We have software that creates fantastic genograms and it's got massive amounts of space for us to put you know, anecdotal stories etc that we hear. Whenever we're building a family tree an auntie might mention oh, old Uncle Tom and, and our cultural support planner you know, will say tell me about Uncle Tom, what was he like, what did he, where, where did he used to live, what did he do for a living, uh, what were some of his quirks, what did, you know, those sorts of stories and that it just pulls out massive amounts of information that these children in care wouldn't get if there wasn't a program to go find it and pull it together. A absolutely. Those stories and that history would be lost to those kids. I mean, it opens up a world for kids that creates identity. 
and that's that's the purpose is is to to create identity to make sure that kids know who they are where they sit and where they're from i had no idea that work like that uh, was actually taking place and i imagine it's fascinating and and filling a gap but ultimately wouldn't you rather that the kids didn't need to have an organization telling them their family story yeah, absolutely. You're, you're correct. I've got a history of child protection, well, eight years with uh, community services, and, and it was a huge gap. Uh, kids not being able to identify because of lack of knowledge creates enormous sort of identity issues for kids, and coming into teenage years, it results in massive behavioural issues. So for Life of the Barriers to actually allow me to use significant amount of resources to do really complex work is terrific but yes of course we would rather see kids not come into care uh, unfortunately you know there's so many reasons why kids come into care extremely complex uh, as you will have heard from uh, from Karen's story when you when you talk to Karen I think there'll always be a need for agencies like us because of you know kids needing out-of-home care placements Maybe a few less one day? Yeah, hopefully a few, a few less one day. Um, probably not in my lifetime, but, but hopefully. Wade Marnie on Meet the Mob on 12.33 ABC Newcastle with me, Jill Emberson. Tell me a little bit about your Aboriginality. My grandmother was born in about 1915 in Wilkenya, in western New South Wales. Wasn't um, uh, the friendliest place for Aboriginal families uh, in 1915. So her and... Uh, and her mother and half of her siblings left Wilkenya and went to Broken Hill. Now the day that they arrived in Broken Hill they stopped identifying as, as Aboriginal people so that my grandmother could go to school. Um, and they identified as uh, African American. Why did they pick that? <laughs> because at the time Wilkenya, which is on the Darling River, was a thoroughfare for the river trade, the river boat trade. And lots of African-American workers worked on riverboats, paddle steamers, up and down the Darling River. So they thought, we'll be one of them. That would actually be easier. Absolutely. That, that, was, that was the thought process, is um, to be Aboriginal in, in this country in, in 1915 meant you couldn't go to school, you couldn't send your kids to school, um, but to be African-American, uh, you could. Well, they had a better chance if they were known to be Afri African-American. My grandmother uh, went to uh, school in Broken Hill for about eight months uh, and a, a non-Aboriginal parent complained about um, a dark-skinned girl being at school, uh, so she was asked not to return. A shocking reminder of That's history. What became of her, your grandma? She became a, a house servant and then married my grandfather and lived the rest of her life as a, as a maid uh, to my grandfather. And when did you come into the picture, Wade? 71 I was born. Uh, my father grew up sort of knowing of our heritage um, because half of my grandmother's family stayed in Wilkenya with an auntie and there was limited contact between the two because of the non-identification but there was some. Uh, so I was born in 71 uh, knowing exactly who we are and I, I mean Broken Hill was a hard place to grow up uh, as, as an Aboriginal kid but as, as a fair Aboriginal kid I had lots of non-Aboriginal friends and had Aboriginal friends. Uh, it, it, was, it was a hard life, it was a tough place. Um, I imagine you went to school, what did you do after that? I, I did go to school, I went to school till year 10 uh, in Broken Hill and then left 
Broken Hill to go to Mildura in Victoria and I entered a, an apprenticeship as a fitter and turner. That was great. It was, uh, it was good to be out of school and to get rid of all of those schoolyard politics and, you know, the petty uh, rubbish that happens in schoolyards. Did you spend a lot of time in the fitting and turning trade? I actually, I didn't. I, because I grew up, I, I grew up in Broken Hill, but spent a lot of time out, out on sheep stations, etc., around Broken Hill. Um, so just loved the bush. Uh, I did my trade. I worked for 12 months as a, as a tradesman and then decided it, it just wasn't for me. It wasn't satisfying. Um, and I actually went out and, uh, and worked on a sheep station uh, between Wentworth and Renmark. Uh, and I worked there for uh, 12 months and uh, met a, a girl who's now my wife and Kerry went to Melbourne and to work at Crown Casino, believe it or not, <laughs> under, under an Indigenous employment strategy of, of Crown Casinos, which, which was great. Uh, so I sort of went to visit her in Melbourne and uh, decided would give up you know, my life in the bush to actually uh, stay with her and so got a job at Crown Casino as well. So you know a bit about gambling? <laughs> I do. I've seen the horrible stuff that happens, but I'm still not good at it. <laughs> I don't think anyone is really. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But it, that was three years of absolute fun. Uh, three years of night shift uh, in a party-like atmosphere, playing games for a living. It was lots of fun. In Melbourne with the girl you love? Absolutely. Abs and, and her extended family that lived in Melbourne and you know, we sort of lived on and off with them. It was, it, it was, and lots of Aboriginal people in Melbourne. You know, we sort of lived in northern suburbs around Fitzroy, North Fitzroy. Lots of Aboriginal population down there. So it was, it was great. Wade Marnie with me on Meet the Mob on 1233 ABC Newcastle. Newcastle and the Hunter is home now. How'd you end up here? We left Melbourne and returned to Mildura because uh, Kerry was having our first son, uh, our first child. Um, and we went back out to the, to the station that I, I worked on prior to that and lived out the bush for a while. And son was born and born to that sort of life on the station. And a couple of years there, it was enough. Um, we'd, we'd come up here a couple of times uh, for a holiday uh, so decided, uh, you know, the, the Hunter was a nice place to go. We wanted to get out of Mildura, so up we came. Uh, and it was we, as simply as sort of borrowing a truck from a cousin, uh, loading everything we owned uh, onto a truck. And there was bird cages with birds in, the, in them and, you know, a, a little mini miner and every bit of furniture that a full house would hold. Um, and we came to the Hunter, and we drove. We drove for you know 24 hours to get here. We didn't have a house to move into, but found one really quickly uh, on the edge of Lake Macquarie, actually in Valentine, which uh, was beautiful. Is this now home for you and your family? Broken Hill is a spiritual home and always will be, um, but it, it doesn't sort of hold too many pleasant memories for me. This is certainly, um, you know, this is where we are now and this is more than likely where we'll stay. Kids now are 12 and 17 and my daughter came when she was two. Um, my son was five. Uh, so this is certainly home for my daughter. We just have a great network of people around us. They go to a fabulous school. It's, it's a great place. It's the place to be.
I remember you telling me that your son, Mitch, has actually listened to a lot of the interviews on Meet the Mob. Why is that? <laughs> he, he has. I, I started listening to them on the way to work. I'd, I'd hear them occasionally if I was running late, which was often. Um, so I'd hear your interviews and, of course, knew a number of your interviewees. And uh, there was a couple in particular that, uh, that I thought Mitch will find interesting. And uh, so I uh, shared the link and then he sat and listened to the lot. You know, it, it is about sharing stories and sharing information, and, and he finds it fascinating. There's plenty of good stories in The Hunter, aren't there, when it comes to Aboriginal people? God, there's so many stories. And, and it's interesting, there's there's a significant Aboriginal population here in The Hunter that uh, a lot of non-Aboriginal people, if, if you don't work with Aboriginal people, don't realise. I mean, why not share the stories, the good, the bad, the ugly, all stories of the people that you're likely to see, to bump into, to work with, uh, to work for um, in and around your community. Um, why not? You're clearly invested in working with the Aboriginal community. Do you see that the direction of your children? Yeah, gotcha. Absolutely. Why? Uh, my son, oh, got it. I get shivers up my spine and, you know, a quiver in my lip when I think about how proud my son is of, of his identity. My daughter is absolutely proud of her Aboriginality, but is yet to discover what that means to her. She knows what it means in, in terms of the context of, you know, the broader Australia, the, the tiny community that we live within, uh, and all of those things, because it, it's conversations we've always had with our kids. Um, but my son is, is, oh God, he's so passionate. He's absolutely, absolutely proud. And to, proud to the point, and he, he reminds me a lot of me growing up in Broken Hill, proud to the point of anger. And how do you support him with that, Wade, as a dad? Oh, it's just about having clear conversations with him and, and knowing the things that trigger him off. I guess age-appropriate editing of what we discuss and how we discuss it. But in the, in the spirit of openness and honestness, we've sort of hidden nothing of Aboriginal history, of, of our personal you know, family histories from our kids. And, it's, and all of that is around identity and building their identity. Um, but there's some things that, of course, you, you tone down, um, depending on the child that you're speaking to. And, and the, uh, you know, the anger that can sometimes um, boil up in him is around injustice. And, and of course, he's 17. He doesn't understand often the, the full sort of political context or the community context, the context of the day. Uh, you know, he doesn't quite get those concepts. But he's getting there. I'm going to have to arrange a time to interview your son, Mitch, for Meet the Mob, and maybe Molly, your daughter, and even your wife one day. But time's against us, uh, Wade, so we better get out of Civic Park and you better get back to work. Yes. But thanks for taking the time out for Meet the Mob. Yeah, no problem, Jill. It's been a pleasure. Gorgeous day, isn't it? It's beautiful. It's bloody fantastic. Yeah, I, I don't know if I want to return to the office. Quite happy to sit here and have a snooze. You've been listening to a 1233 ABC Newcastle podcast. For more, visit our website at abc.net.au slash newcastle.